Hello, I'm Mariette Sneiman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. In this episode, we're looking at how to get a grip on COVID fatigue. And my guest is Judy Klippen, Master Coach, Facilitator and Trainer from Johannesburg. Welcome, Judy. Thanks, Marietta. Lovely to be here. Now, just to inform our listeners, at the end of our discussion, Judy is going to give us her three best tips on a life well lived, and then it will be fun question time. Now, Judy, one of the books you wrote is called Recover from Burnout, and I'm curious, why did you write the book? Uh, I wrote the book because it was quite an evolution, actually, because I, my, my main area of interest or my initial area of interest as a coach was working, is working with adult children. And adult children, the phrase comes, the term comes from the phrase adult child of alcoholics, which was coined by a psychologist called Dr. Janet Wojtyt in the 1980s, mm-hmm. because she started to notice that many of her patients who had had um, parents who were alcoholics when they were children, had very similar characteristics. So she came up with this term adult child of alcoholics, so grown-up children of alcoholics. And I um, started to notice with my clients that many were exhibiting some of those characteristics, even if they hadn't had um, alcoholic parents. So my definition of an adult child is anybody who had a childhood that was inconsistent or unpredictable in some way or for some time, which is really pretty much all of us. Um, And so most of us have at least some of those characteristics. And those characteristics include things like adult children guess what normal is. So we kind of feel as though everybody else got the instruction manual to life and we have to make it up as we go along. Adult children, um, we judge ourselves without mercy, so we're very hard on ourselves. We constantly seek approval and affirmation. We lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth, so we pretend to be fine even when we aren't. We're either super responsible or super irresponsible, and often we're super responsible to everybody around us and super irresponsible towards ourselves. We also struggle to ask for help. We struggle to say no. We are driven by um, an unconscious belief, which I call, if I were better, it would be better. And those those characteristics and habits all make us very vulnerable to developing burnout. So as my coaching practice grew and evolved, I started to notice that so many of my clients who were adult children also were were experiencing burnout. And so that is when I started doing my research into burnout and reading more and developing my coaching skills and ultimately writing the book, because I think that burnout is an epidemic, certainly in this country and also in the world. Um, And and I think, you know, I wrote the book, it was published in 2019, so about eight months before COVID hit us. And um, all of the All of the things I speak about in my book are are becoming more and more apparent now during this pandemic because people really are experiencing burnout and COVID fatigue. So if we look at burnout and then at COVID fatigue, uh, 
what are the symptoms that that one sees? So they're very similar, um, even though the genesis of them is different. So burnout, I believe, comes from doing too much of the wrong thing. So of not making good decisions for ourselves. And COVID fatigue is a response to this pandemic that we are living in. It's the it's the response to the ongoing anxiety and stress and overwhelm, which is also causing us to do things that aren't right for us, like, you know, being um, stuck away at home, not being able to see family and friends, being concerned about finances. Many people have lost their jobs. So all of those things are wrong things for us, although we haven't chosen them. So the genesis, as I say, of burnout and COVID fatigue are different, but the, the, the way they present themselves is very similar. So some of the symptoms, we have symptoms on, you know, it affects our, our physical self, our mental self, our emotional self, our spiritual self, and our relational self. So every aspect of us is affected by burnout and COVID fatigue. Um, some of the most obvious ones, the physical symptoms are obviously being completely exhausted all the time, waking up feeling unrefreshed, often struggling to sleep, feeling a total lack of energy. Um, a very clear one that is quite a good indicator is craving sugar, carbohydrates, caffeine, chocolate. That's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, I used to teach the police um, in, a, in a bygone era and all of them at seven o'clock in the morning had either a Red Bull, a coffee or a Coke or a chocolate in front of them in, uh, at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, but that aside, so we also, our concentration is impacted. So we are struggling to carry a train of thought through um, what we used to, be, you know, if we used to be able to concentrate on something for an hour or so at a time, we can't do that anymore. We're very um, easily distracted. Our emotions are amplified and erratic. So by that, I mean that um, in terms of the amplified, things that used to make us feel slightly irritated can now send us into a rage for days. And things that used to make us feel slightly kind of sad and mournful now can really feel overwhelmingly sad. And the erratic part is, you know, people talk about the roller coaster and um, yes. that we wake up in the morning and we're feeling quite excited and enthusiastic. And then by 10 in the morning, we're feeling a bit defeated. And then by lunchtime, we feel like nothing good's ever going to happen again. And then in the afternoon, we feel a bit more optimistic again. So it's this very erratic up and down emotions all over the place. Um, we also get very tired after minor exertion, whether it's physical or emotional. Also, even, you know, if we used to be able to run five kilometers in the evening, you can't do that anymore. Um, and there's a real questioning of life choices and meaning. So I talk about burnout as being an existential emergency. It's, you know, when we're in full-blown burnout, we really start questioning all the choices that we have made because, because of the nature of the disease, things that used to feel incredibly meaningful and rewarding to us no longer do so. And so we really question our choices. It, it is an existential emergency. Um, I think that COVID fatigue or COVID, this pandemic, has created an existential emergency also. But as it evolves, I actually think that it's developing into an existential opportunity for all of us 
to rethink how we live our lives and the choices that we make. And that's true of burnout as well. You know, burnout burnout can be a gift because it's a real invitation to think about how to live our lives differently. So it sounds to me, <clears throat> excuse me, that formerly burnout would have been caused, as you said, by choices you've made. Mm. And now COVID fatigue is something you really <laughs> have no control or much less control over. But can can one approach it in the same way then that, that, that you approach burnout? Well, luckily, happily, I mean, as you say, the, the COVID fatigue is a result of having choices thrust upon us rather than making them ourselves. But the tools and the strategies that I suggest to clients who are overcoming burnout work equally well for people who are suffering from COVID fatigue um, because they really are designed to help us to regain and maintain our energy and our enthusiasm. And it doesn't matter whether it's burnout or COVID fatigue that, that has caused us to lose them. And can these tools then get one out of survival mode? Because if I listen to the, the to the symptoms you describe, uh, it sounds very much like one is in survival mode quite a lot of the time. Absolutely. So when we get when burnout progresses to full blown burnout, that's exactly we drop right down in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We are right down at level one. All we can think about is surviving and staying alive, food, shelter, you know, sleep. That's, that's, that's as much as we can do. It's just holding ourselves together and getting through the days. And COVID fatigue and this pandemic, I think, has elicited a very similar response to us from us because, I mean, we literally are in survival mode. Certainly for the first few months of this pandemic when nobody knew what was going on, Nobody knew how to treat it. Nobody knew how to respond to it. It was a really terrifying time. Um, and, you know, the human, human mind is so resilient that I don't think that any of us actually can remember how yes. absolutely terrifying it was mm. in March and April last year when things were starting to escalate and nobody in the whole world knew how to manage it. We were all making it up as we were going along and mm. we still are to a certain extent. And so, yes, absolutely, we've been in this absolute survival mode, fight, flight, freeze. And I said, I say also that if you're an adult child, there's a fourth F in, a, in survival mode, and that is fix. <laughs> so people were either getting very aggressive or they were retreating and just watching Netflix all the time. That's the fleeing. Freezing is just being completely immobilized and not being able to do or think about anything. And those of us that were fixing, we're getting on with things, making banana bread, gardening, <laughs> planting vegetable patches, <laughs> uh, rolling up our sleeves and getting on with things. And obviously, we all, I think, did all of those things at various points. And to a certain extent, we still are. But the thing about being in survival mode is it is also exhausting. So it's like this constantly, it's this constant feedback cycle of, the adrenaline causing us to be in the survival mode and then we get into survival mode, which creates more adrenaline. And adrenaline gives you a boost at first, but too much adrenaline exhausts us and, and causes the burnout. So these tools that I have developed are really aimed at getting people to come back to themselves 
and to reconnect with themselves. So they all are designed to help people to just pause, kind of take a look at what is going on inside them and around them, and then be very mindful about choosing what they need in that moment in order to give themselves the comfort or the support or the um, reassurance or whatever it is that they are needing. But the big thing I think about both burnout and COVID fatigue and why we get into survival mode is that we become so disconnected from ourselves. We're so busy just getting through the days that we forget to check in with ourselves. And that's what leads us to make poor decisions, like saying yes to another task at work, even though we're not coping with what's already on our plate. Or, you know, staying up late to finish watching some Netflix series instead of going to bed and getting a decent night's sleep. So the more disconnected we get from ourselves, the, the less able we are to look after ourselves and to make good choices. So all of my tools are simple, simple tools to help people look after themselves properly. And they are easy to apply and very, very effective. Yes, I once heard a phrase that stayed with me and it says, do what is best for you. So eat the food that makes you feel best. Um, do the things that make you feel best. And I thought that's very, that's very interesting because it's not necessarily what, what you want to do in this moment, but which is overall going to be to have the best outcome. Yeah, exactly. When we are overwhelmed and exhausted and overwrought with grief and fear and anxiety or just kind of overwork, we go with the path of least resistance. And so we think, I'm going to have another Red Bull or I'm going to have another bar of chocolate or I'm going to watch another episode of my series. Mm -hmm. And actually, if we just stopped and thought about it for half a minute, we would realize that that's not actually what's necessarily the best thing for us now. So would you like to start uh, giving us more information on your tools, Judy? Mm, absolutely. So as I said, they really are simple. <laughs> and so I always say the most important thing is to give yourself 20 minutes a day and just connecting with yourself. Just listen to yourself. Any radio, any music, nothing. Don't talk to anybody but yourself. You can have a gentle walk. You can journal. You can pray. You can meditate. You can lie on your bed and have a nap. doesn't matter. As long as you are doing it in silence, it really helps you to come back to yourself. To help you to do that, I have three questions, which I also recommend that people ask themselves at least once a day, but as often as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And those three questions are, what am I feeling? So it's not how am I feeling, but what am I feeling? And it might be a physical feeling like I'm hot or I'm cold or I'm hungry. It might be an emotional feeling like I'm scared. It might be I'm just completely, you know, my brain needs a rest. Whatever it is, what am I feeling? Question two is why am I feeling this way? So maybe I'm feeling hot because... It's warmed up since I got dressed this morning and I haven't taken off my jersey yet. Or I'm tired because I only went to bed late last night. And then question three is, what do I want to do about it? 
So for instance, if I've realized that I'm feeling hot because I'm still wearing my jersey that I've been wearing all day and now it's warmed up, maybe I want to take the jersey off. Those three questions really help us to come back to ourselves and to do exactly what you were saying earlier, which is to give ourselves what we need. And when we are so busy and overwhelmed and freaked out, we forget to check in with ourselves. So those three questions, very powerful, very important. Um, the other thing that I say is I have this tool that I call the spanner. The spanner. <laughs> and it's an acronym of the spanner, yeah. So the S is for self. So we need to check in with ourselves every day. We need to honor ourselves. We need to stop being what I call others-centered, which is looking after everybody else at our own expense. Actually spend time every day thinking about ourselves and what we need. The P is for peace and quiet, and that is for having those 20 minutes at least of quiet time every day where you don't have to think about anything or anybody but ourselves, and it's just time to connect with ourselves. The A is for asking and accepting, and that's help compliments, feedback, whatever, but, you know, often we're very bad at asking for help and even worse at accepting help that is offered. And that really, if we want to get better from burnout and COVID fatigue, we have to learn to ask for and accept help particularly. <clears throat> and I always say that it's very, it's very scary for people to ask for help because often in the past we've asked for help and haven't been given it, so we kind of give up. But we need to take responsibility for how we ask for help. So if we walk into the sitting room at night and our family are all lying around watching TV and playing on their devices and we say, I could really use some help around here, we are much less likely to be helped than if we say, John, please can you unpack the dishwasher? And Mary, please can you... Um, I don't know, feed the dogs or whatever. But if we are very specific about mm. who we are asking for help from and what that help is, there is a much greater chance that we will get the help that we need. So that's asking and accepting. That's the A. This first N is for saying no. So it's about being able to identify what we need to say no to. Um, and at this time, we need to be saying no to as much as we possibly can. Honestly, we need to be putting down a lot of things so that we can pick ourselves up. Um, the second N is for nourish, and that is for, for, for nourishing ourselves with, with nourishing food and with doing nourishing things. So seeing people who feed us spiritually, doing things that feed us spiritually, it's really about nourishing ourselves and nurturing ourselves. The E is for exercise, and that doesn't have to be a spinning class. It can honestly be a 20-minute walk around the block. Um, anything that gets you moving, and, and quite honestly, if you are in full-blown burnout, then, then the gentler the exercise, the better. Yoga, a gentle walk, that's all great. Don't push your body too hard because it just actually contributes to the adrenaline surges in your body, which you don't want. So exercise in the fresh air, preferably the sunshine in terms of COVID with vitamin D, but it really helps us to relax. It helps to get our blood flowing and it helps us to sleep better and gives us an appetite for the healthy food. And then the R is for 
with burnout, I talk about relationships <clears throat> because often when we have burn, burnout, we withdraw, you know, that kind of survival mode. We withdraw. We're not seeing people anymore. We become quite socially isolated. And I think that that's true for obvious reasons of COVID as well, that because of lockdown and just social distancing and all of the stuff, we are, you know, quite socially isolated so I think it is still true that we need to be very mindful about keeping our relationships up virtually or kind of at a distance. But for me during COVID, particularly when we're in hard lockdown and when things are really feeling completely out of control, the R for me is routine. Because when we have a routine that we don't have to think about, it's a very containing. Mm. So um, especially for people who are working from home at the moment, actually, and who are missing that commuting time and missing seeing their colleagues, et cetera, routine is really, really important for us. So that's my spanner. And then what else? Another thing that I say is we have to lower our expectations of ourselves and other people. So not for ourselves, but of ourselves. So we just have to give ourselves a break. Let's see what else. Setting and maintaining good boundaries really around work you know not there's a huge thing I'm sure you're aware of it at the moment of this whole debate about working from home or living at work because those of us who are working from home our you know our boundaries are being eroded and what used to be a seven hour work day turned into an eight and then nine and then ten and now some people are working literally 14 hours a day which is really unhealthy mm. and the problem is that the more exhausted we are the less productive we become or mm. the less productive we feel and so we work longer hours but we're actually achieving much less so you have to keep to your work hours because if you only try and be productive during seven hours, you will be more productive in those seven hours than you will be in 14 hours. Honestly, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's excellent advice. Only, you know, only do work things during work time. And then at the end of the day, and I say this, I'm, I'm doing so many kind of support groups for, for teams that, that are all working from home virtually and who are really struggling with this. I say replace your commute with a kind of commute substitute. So, you know, I used to drive to my office for 20 minutes in the morning and come home for 20 minutes in the afternoon. And it's so powerful that physical feeling of moving away from work from home towards work and then in the other direction moving away from work towards home it's a really important kind of psychological buffer that we've lost those of us who are working from home so we need to replace it so I go for a walk every morning I take the dogs for a walk that's my morning commute then in the afternoon I take the dogs for another walk if that's not possible for you for whatever reason, then you can do something else. You can at the end of the day go and have a shower or change your clothes or dance around your sitting room. I don't know, whatever it is. And this is to do with the routine as well, that we need to replace our old routines with new routines that signal to our brain that work is finished now and now it's off time. That is so sensible. I think I'm going to start applying that immediately. You will, I'm telling you, it will change your life. It really is. And this is what I'm, what I'm talking about is the simplicity of these tools is that when you hear them, it's like, well, of course, that absolutely makes sense. But because we are so fraught, either with too much to do or anxiety and stress and overwhelm, 
we don't stop to think about what it is that we need. Mm. And that's also why those three questions, what am I feeling, why am I feeling, what do I want to do about it, are so helpful. We also need to, I always talk about having a healthy ecosystem. And so it's important for us to be able to identify what is going on in our life that we need to pay attention to, because again, a lot of us have taken our eye off the various balls. So, you know, our ecosystem is made up of, of all of the um, different moving parts in our, in our lives. And when it is, in, in, is healthy and in balance, then all those different elements cooperate to support each other and the whole. But when something is out of balance, the ecosystem as a whole is compromised. And so we really need to pay attention to all the different elements of the ecosystem, which include things like relationships with partners, family, friends, sleep, exercise, rest, relaxation, financial stability, um, a, a harmonious physical environment, so our actual living space, eating nourishing food, learning, growing, being creative, quiet time, um, all of those things make up our ecosystem. And it's important that they're all in balance. I have a wheel of life exercise, which I do with people, which is a bit tricky to explain over here, but I can if you want me to. Yes, please. Okay. So the wheel of life is, it's a wonderful tool. It's one of my favorite tools. So you draw a circle and you divide it into eight by drawing four crisscrossing lines. So it looks like um, a, a wheel on a bicycle with mm. a spokes. So they're eight spokes, okay? And you name each of those of those um, spokes a different thing. So it could be, so you identify the eight areas of your life that are prevalent. So it could be your relation, your intimate relationship. It could be um, work. It could be money. It could be physical environment. So your home space. It could be your own personal development. It could be relationship with family and friends. It could be hobbies. It could be your own personal, you know, time, me time. Um, I don't know how many I've got up to, but anyway, you would come up to eight. Mm. And then, so you label each one and then you think, you really get still and quiet and you think about how satisfied am I in each of these areas and you give them a rating. So, from between zero and 10. So zero obviously is I couldn't be less satisfied. So if my health is really bad, I'm not walking, I'm eating terribly, I've put on weight, I'm not sleeping, like everything's just going pear-shaped with my health, then maybe you would give it a one or a two. And then you put that, you put a dot on the line of that spoke that, that uh, represents a one or a two. So in the middle where all of the lines meet, so the center of the wheel, that would be a zero. At the outer edge, the kind of the rim, that is a 10. Mm. And, and anywhere in between, obviously, is where your, your rating is. So if you have a one out of 10, it would be like one-tenth of the way along that line. If you would have a nine out of 10 satisfaction, it would be nine-tenths of the way along the line. So almost at the, at the outer rim. So you put a dot that signifies how satisfied you are in each area on each of those spoke lines. And then you join the dots, you know, you draw a line in between each dot mm. so that you can see how balanced your wheel is. And most people 
have something that looks a little like a spider web or, you know, it's very unbalanced. They've got fours for some things and sevens for some things and twos for some things. So mm. it's a very uneven, it's not a circle. It's a very uneven lot of lines joined up. And that immediately gives you this visual representation of where your life is out of balance, where your ecosystem is out of balance. And you can immediately see where you need to start paying attention. So if health is very low, but relationships are very high, that's great. So you can obviously you need to you need to carry on doing what you're doing to keep your relationships so high, but you do need to make some plans to address your health. And the smaller and the most and the more kind of um, simple the plans you can make, the better. So if it's about health, rather than saying lose weight, which is a very big goal, be very specific. Say things like walk for 20 minutes every day and um, have three apples a day and mm. drink eight, lit- eight glasses of water a day. Those are very simple, quantifiable goals that you can measure. Okay, so create three goals for each area that you want to work on, either in terms of improving or, or, or maintaining. Um, because the aim is to make the circle as round as possible because we want to be as balanced as possible. So obviously it would be great to have all eights and nines. Um, that's the aim because the bigger the, the, the bigger, the wider the circle, the more progress you're making through life. The smaller the circle, the longer it takes you to get to where you want to go. And I always say to people when they've joined their dots at first, I say to them, if this was a wheel on your car, how smooth would your ride be? Yes. <laughs> and mo- mostly not very smooth at that point. But remember, that's, you know, that's why they're doing it, because they've identified that there's something out of balance. Knowledge is power. Once you know what you need to address, then you can address it. The reason why so many of us struggle so much of the time is because we are not aware of what needs to be addressed because we aren't checking in with ourselves. So the Wheel of Life is a great tool that I love and I can use it in all sorts of different ways. Um, I also think that we need to really schedule in rest time and break times um, that you need to, it, it relates back to the boundaries and the work, but you need to have evenings off. You need to keep your weekends free. You need to have holidays, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on the 6th of December, 2020, I ran a workshop with a whole bunch of HR managers who were feeling like they didn't know what to do with their staff because their staff were all freaking out. And I said to them, how many of you have taken a day's leave this year? Oh. None of them had. Not one had taken a day's leave. And, you know, I know that we were all like rabbits in the headlight last year with, with COVID and not knowing what was going on. We have to look after ourselves. We have to take breaks. And then, and then people wonder why they're working 14-hour days and still not achieving anything because you're not letting your body and your mind rest and recharge. Um, if you look at the natural world, no, nothing, no creature drives themselves the way we drive ourselves. Every single living creature gives them time, give themselves time to rest. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, and that's why the animals are going to take over the world (laughs) because the humans are going to have worked ourselves into an absolute standstill. Yeah. 
So the last thing I wanted to say, and I've got so many tools, honestly, I've got millions of them. But another one that's really helpful, I think, is to be yourself. It's to give yourself permission to be yourself and to stop pretending to be something that you aren't. So if you're feeling sad, allow yourself to feel sad. If you, you know, are feeling completely freaked out, own it. Don't pretend to be something that you aren't. So tell yourself and everybody around you the truth. Yeah, it seems to me you must become your own best friend, which which I think it's it's easy to say, but it's not always easy to apply it practically every day. No, it's not. But I promise you that if you do those seven steps of the spanner and if you do them every day and they don't have to be seven consecutive, okay, now I have to do this, now I have to do that. You can do them all in one go. So you can go for a walk in the morning, which is your exercise, on your own in silence, which is your peace and quiet, Mm. connecting with yourself by asking those three questions as you walk. So that's the self. You can ask yourself where am I going to ask for help? Who am I going to ask for, from? You can figure out what am I going to say no to today? You can figure out what nourishing things you're going to do today, what you're going to feed yourself in terms of food and in terms of kind of interactions and activities. You're doing the exercise and you can also plan how you're going to um connect with somebody today. I'm going to at lunchtime, I'm going to have a virtual lunch with my friend. Sarah, Um, because that's the other thing that I think that is so particular about the COVID fatigue is that people are feeling really disconnected at work and in the rest of their lives. And so I really recommend that people have, you know, take a lunch break, take a tea break. And if you need to, not if you need to, I really do recommend it that you you know, identify somebody at work who you used to have lunch with or who you used to have tea with and say to them, let's meet online at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning for a coffee and a catch-up because that's what people are missing. Yes, I think many of us are feeling very lonely very often. Mm. That didn't probably happen so often before COVID. So I think you've really put your finger on it there. And then, Judy, another thing mm. um, I wanted to ask you about is how to handle social media in this in the context of uh, COVID fatigue. So the thing about social media <laughs> is that when we're completely exhausted and overwhelmed and tired, it's it's almost like a bit of a comfort blanket. So it's like this mindless scrolling through to see what's going on. It's almost like um, eating popcorn when mm. you're watching a movie. Um, and on the one hand, I think that it is a bit of an escape. But on the other hand, I think it really causes a lot of stress and anxiety because if it's not people kind of humble bragging and pretending to have such fantastic lives and posting photographs of themselves living their best life in the middle of a pandemic, not wearing a mask and all of that kind of thing. So, (laughs) um, which can create a whole lot of feelings of inadequacy from us that here's everybody else having a fantastic life and Mm. I'm not. Certainly for me, it creates extreme outrage that here are all these people living their best lives and making sure that everybody around them is getting the disease because they're not being responsible about wearing their masks. Um, So from that perspective, I think that we need to be quite careful about keeping a lid on it. But I also think that, 
you know, I know for me that at the end of the day, I just do. I, I kind of I leave my office, I walk outside, I do my thing, and then I lie on the couch and I look at Twitter on the, on you know, I'm catching up on the news because I like to know what's going on in the world. But actually, after about five minutes, it just feels so overwhelming with all the horrible stories and all the bad news and all the, like, political infighting and shenanigans that it's really not very relaxing for me. So I think we need to, again, it's about boundaries. We need to say, why am I, you know, what is the purpose of my engaging with social media? Figure out why we're doing it. If it is helpful and serving the purpose that we think it should be serving, by all means, go ahead, but put a boundary around it. So say, fine, from the next half hour, I'm going to be on Facebook, or for the next half hour, I'm going to be on Twitter. I can do that once a day or twice a day or whatever, and that's it. And then put it down and walk away from it. Yes. Yeah, so once more, it's it's the awareness that you are talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about boundaries. It's and it's about it's it's mindful boundaries. Absolutely. Judy, so when do we need? Do we know if we really need help, professional help, or whatever? What, how will we know? Okay, so I get asked this quite a lot because um, burnout. One of the one of the horrible things about burnout and COVID fatigue, if we don't address it, it progresses, and it can progress into really quite awful things. I always say the dreaded three Ds of depression, diabetes, and divorce. So we really do need to take them quite seriously and be very actively, mindfully involved in reversing them. Um, burnout and COVID fatigue, I think if you catch them early enough, we are able to reverse them ourselves um, by making some behavior changes and thought changes. If we have reached the point of depression, then we really do need some outside help. And people often ask me what the difference between burnout and depression is because many of the symptoms are very similar. So my way of telling the difference is I say they're both a, a feeling of exhaustion and overwhelm, but burnout is a feeling of being tired from life, whereas depression is a feeling of being tired of life. I see. And so if you or anybody you know is feeling tired of life, just doesn't want to be alive anymore, then you really need to seek help immediately. And there are plenty of resources in this country. We are so lucky to have things like SADAG and Lifeline and FAMSA and amazing free and subsidized services. So there really is no reason why we can't be asking for help, even though when we are depressed, it's very hard to do so. Um, and in terms of the burnout, if you're feeling tired from life, if these things that I've been talking about, the getting enough rest, the asking for help, the saying no, the checking in with yourself, the spanner, all of those things aren't helping after a couple of weeks, then it's probably a good idea to go and see a doctor and to see whether you need some physical support in terms of what's going on in your body or a coach in terms of some more kind of hand-holding and holding you accountable and being able to really walk that path with you. So if you can't reverse it, you're, well, not reverse it, but if you're not seeing a difference within a couple of weeks of your own efforts, 
then it's then it's probably a good a good time to ask for some help. Right. And could you please give us the name of your website and maybe just mention some of the courses and the books that you've got on it? Sure. So my website is um, judyclippin.com, J-U-D-Y-K-L-I-P-I-N.com. And all of the information is there, but I have a range of e-courses um, which include Recover from Burnout, which is actually um, the kind of the precursor to my book, Recover from Burnout. Um, and then I have a, a course called Find Yourself in Love, which is for people who are wanting to understand their patterns and their, you know, why they make the choices they make in, in affairs of the heart. And then I have a Is Work Working for You um, e-course also which helps people to figure out, you know, what needs to change in terms of their work, a whole lot of um, really practical things. And I have a range of workshops for educators, for teachers, which are SACE approved and have CPD points, actually. And there are a whole range of um, workshops designed to support educators with rebuilding their resilience and, and managing their burnout. The moment they things like understanding compassion fatigue and burnout, having a healthy ecosystem, understanding communication and time and, and um, time management and planning. And I'm actually working on creating two new modules with a colleague of mine who's a trauma specialist, one on managing grief in the classroom and one on managing trauma in the classroom. Um, but those are a little while away still. And then I also run a series of, of virtual workshops for people. I don't have any planned at the moment. I am in the midst of creating a new program to help people who have some of those characteristics that I was discussing earlier, the you know, the guessing what normal is, the having difficulty following projects through from beginning to end, the not asking for help, the, you know, constantly seeking approval and affirmation. A lot of those characteristics can stop us from excelling and from and from kind of reaching the levels of success that we deserve to be. And so I'm creating an eight-week program for people who want to understand themselves better and as I say, smash their own glass ceiling so that they stop holding themselves back from the success they deserve. Thank you. And then I'd like to ask you, uh, you're a Martha Beck certified Master Life Coach. Now, I've been a fan of Martha Beck's for decades, and I can't, mm -hmm. I can't resist asking you, what's it like to work with Martha? It's fantastic. <laughs> I love Martha. I mean, aside from the fact that she is off the charts, brilliantly clever and insightful, she is quite honestly the funniest person I have ever met. She is. She has just got the most amazing ability to make people laugh because she is so clever um, that she just sees things and she is so quick and she is so warm and so generous and so kind and so loving and honestly she really has, I mean, not to sound too soppy, but she really has changed my life. She is the most amazing woman. I feel like she was absolutely heaven sent to me. Mm. She's wonderful. Yes, and you have a glowing recommendation from Martha on your website, I see. 
<laughs> yeah, when I got that, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? Does she really mean that? <laughs> um, but she really, I'm very, very lucky, actually, because I was the first Martha, the first person in South Africa to be trained as a Martha Beck coach. Mm. Um, and she loves South Africa. She is passionate about South Africa. Um, so we are incredibly lucky to have a very close personal relationship with her as well we are we are real friends actually and so um i'm very very grateful and lucky to have that relationship with her thank you judy and now it's time for your three best tips on a life well lived yes so my three tips for a life well lived are first of all spend 20 minutes with yourself in silence every day um, which allows you to check in and reconnect with yourself so you can identify what you need and how to get those needs met. The second one is to get some exercise in the fresh air um, every day. It doesn't have to be hectic exercise, but any time outside, preferably in nature, is something to do every day. And the third thing is to tell yourself and everybody around you the truth. So don't lie to yourself or other people. If you need help, ask for it. If you don't want to do something, say so. If you're struggling, acknowledge it. Um, give yourself what you need. And so really it's, it's, it's a summary of, of everything that we've been talking about. Yes. And then your fun question. Can I go ahead? Yes. Yes. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Judy, I was wondering if you were a cat. And mm. you were asked to write a manual for humans on how to behave towards cats. What are some of the things you would include? Hmm, nice question. I think I would include wait for the cat to come to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't interrupt a cat who is hunting because they get very upset if you chase the bird away before they can catch it, to make sure that you have an endless supply of their favorite treats. And I don't know what else, actually. I think the thing about cats is they really like to be the boss, so they really like to set the tone and set the agenda, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, follow my lead. I'll, I'll let you know what to do and when to do it. Yeah, well said. Thank you, Judy, for your time. Thank you very much for this. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with someone you care about. It would be greatly appreciated if you would rate and review the podcast series where you download your podcasts. Calm, Clear and Helpful is available on iTunes, Spotify, Iono FM and Player FM. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, Mariette Sneeman, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.